I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello to all of our listeners out there around the world. We're happy to have you back with us, and we do have a truly incredible story today. We are going to be talking about an individual who not only was a talented musician and uh, had a kind heart and and risked her life to save uh, Jewish uh, refugees during the war, uh, during World War II, but also was an animal lover and is a good friend uh, to one of our personal friends, Claire Soria, who we have here again with us today. Hello, Claire. Hello, Gary. What a pleasure it is for me to be with you today. Uh, we also have, uh, our listeners have already heard Claire's story back in February. Uh, they listened to, to her incredible story back in February. And uh, so Claire is no stranger to our podcast. This <laughs> is her second appearance with us. So, Claire, we're going to start off uh, with um, asking you, how did you first meet Berenger? Uh, when we moved to Oakland, New Jersey around 1970, uh, I was already giving piano lessons. However, I never really was trained to give piano lessons. I was trained to, uh, to learn music, to learn the piano. And I happened to ask a couple of the members of the synagogue that I belong to if they knew of any teacher in the area. And they gave me the name of Berenger Grant. At that moment, I decided to give her a call, never realizing the closeness that would develop between the two of us. Uh, she was the most amazing person that I had ever met. And through the years, I found out so many things about her, how she was a celebrity, how she came from nobility, and uh, what a wonderful heart, as you say, that she had. So uh, to, to my surprise, uh, she decided later on in life to turn over the manuscript of her story to me. But it's taken me until this past year to find someone to help me put it together in a book form and also people can log in and uh, listen to her story online. Oh, wow. That is wonderful. And we've read your book, of course, uh, her manuscript. And uh, is it? did I get it correct that uh, she traced her lineage back to Richard the Lionhearted in 1191? That's what she said. That's what she said in the book. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And so she uh, uh, came from French nobility. Uh, and she's just an incredible person. By the time we finished talking about all of the facets of her life, uh, truly incredible. But she came from French nobility, and she indicated that she spent some of her childhood summers at Versailles, of all places. And uh, she said that her childhood, she lived in a make-believe world. Why do you think she would say that, Claire? Well, because she lived in a chateau with her grandmama, and she uh, spoke about her all the time in the beginning of the book, uh, of the type of amazing life that uh, she lived at the time and uh, she even mentioned the fact how 
her own grandmother during the hard time would uh, give money to the poor, food to the poor. This was part of the life that she remembered in her early childhood. The, uh, the fact that her grandmother was there for the needy and also the animals and everything around her, how uh, she always remembers that part and being outdoors, uh, loving uh, her surroundings, and she described it so beautifully in her story. So uh, that's why uh, I feel that uh, the, her story is worth talking about due to the fact that even though she was born in nobility, she was born with that kind of life. Her life, she was not that easy. And uh, because of the strong upbringing that she got from her grandmama, she was able to endure all the hardships that she had to mm. deal with. And she did it the best she could. She lived in a time where a woman did not have the same uh, freedom to do things as a man does. Even today, I don't think that a woman could, uh, that it's as easy for a woman as it is for a man. But in those days, it was much, much harder. It didn't matter whether you came from France or if you lived in America. It was difficult. Sure. Now, she was, uh, she indicates that she was brought up Catholic. So her very first love of music happened to be the music of the Catholic Mass, um, the Catholic liturgy. That's the very first music, apparently, that she was exposed to at that early age and you mentioned that she uh, loved helping the poor her her fa and the she loved the animals her uh, she indicated that her favorite patron saint in the catholic church was uh, saint francis of assisi who's the patron saint of the animals absolutely now claire um in the 1920s the roaring 20s uh she knew some people that uh, stand out to this day. Uh, apparently, she knew Gertrude Stein, Yehudi Menuhin. Uh, what was her life like in the Roaring Twenties? Uh, I believe that she was still in France at the time, and uh, she was a young woman. And uh, her grandmother used to entertain a lot, and in the, they lived in a chateau, and they also went to different areas and. The grandmother took Berenger with her. And so that's how she got to meet a lot of these people. Plus, one of her relatives uh, is Vincent Dandy, who in, in his own right is a celebrity. So she talks about him highly also. But she always admired people who uh, were famous or people who she likes to uh, read about or meet. Uh, this was always something that I found interesting about Berenger. Now, her first uh, marriage there in the uh, early 1920s uh, didn't work out very well. She did have a, a daughter at that time in 1922, but the daughter died only uh, 10 days after birth. And then shortly after that, uh, she left for America. What was that phase of her life like? Uh, well, f going back to uh, the time that uh, she was married before she came here, in those days it was a little different from what it is here. Uh, they had a lot of planned wedding. Uh, the 
family decided who she was going to marry. It was really not truly a marriage, marriage of choice on her part. So uh, a, her marriage really didn't work out too well. And uh, then losing not only a daughter, she also lost two sons. Oh, really? Oh, yes, she did. And uh, so that made her life. That was probably when she lost her sons, it was when she did return to France. She did return to France at one time. But uh, coming to America, it was a lot of adjustment. And uh, if memory serves me right, she uh, became a nurse when she came to America. Her teaching of music did not start right uh, at the beginning. That did not start until later. Plus, what she did mostly in Europe is to sing. She was an opera singer, and she sang all over the world. That was actually when she was young. And uh, there are many pictures of her performing all over Europe in the book. Yes, in fact, uh, she in Paris she met the composer Franz Lahar in her memoir. She indicates that uh, she met him, and she's one of the people that took the real Orient Express to Vienna and uh, saw the actual real Blue Danube, of course, and she sang for Lahar, and she says it changed her life and her destiny. That's right. That's right. So... Uh, she was a quick learner, and when she had the opportunity to uh, study under amazing people who took an interest in her, she was able to accomplish miracles because not everybody can actually accomplish what Béranger accomplished, in my opinion. But in those days, it had nothing to do with the difficulty that she was having. She just had that gift to uh, sing. And that's how she ended up singing in the opera. Then uh, around this time, we're looking, I think, at the part of her life in the 1930s. Uh, she learned to sing in German. Uh, this probably was the time when she was there in Austria, I would imagine. And then uh, Hitler annexed Austria. What happens next? She was still singing, and uh, she, know, she knew what was going on uh, during that time, and uh, it upset her enormously, but uh, she was there to perform and to the best she could. Uh, a couple of the people that worked for her uh, happened to be Jewish, and she helped them get out of Austria because she knew the dangers that uh, were there. So she told them just to pack their bag, and she would see to it that uh, they would be safe by going with her. So yes, that was already in the 1930s. And the picture on the book was taken in 1935. So that was during that period when she was entertaining and singing. And it was not just Austria, it was all over. Wherever she was asked to perform, that's where she went. So whether you save one life or thousands of lives during the Holocaust, you become a hero of that time if you do indeed save a life. Absolutely. So at this point in time, then, we can already say uh, that uh, Berenger was a hero of the Holocaust uh, back in the 1930s. Now, her adult son, Robert, died about this time, and this is when she returned to the United States and 
She knew Otto Preminger, the major motion picture producer in Hollywood. Absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, she uh, told me her story on numerous occasions. There are things about her life that she did not go into detail. And when I uh, wrote, when I actually helped write this book, uh, it, it amazed me how many things she recalled during that period. She remembered so much. And uh, for people who were closer to my age or who are closer to my age could actually live through that time because she would talk about people on television, the people in the movies, people uh, on the radio. Uh, and everyone that she talks about, she seems to really be uh, knowledgeable. And she even has a lot of their pictures that I still have here that she wanted to make sure that she collected. Hmm. And then uh, in August 1940, she walked down the aisle again and became Mrs. Vito Ligotti. Uh, uh, this was, uh, when she came to America, there was a, a gentleman, He, I believe he was in the uh, armed services at the time, and he took a liking to her and he followed her. Uh, I had the opportunity, the privilege of knowing uh, Mr. Ligotti, a very fine man, and he was there for her uh, all the time. Uh, every concert she appeared in, every place that she went, she, he always joined her. And he was a, a very, very fine man. And during this time, uh, at the age of 40, she gave birth to another son named George. Exactly. And uh, George uh, turned out to be a very, very fine man. And he uh, himself has children married and uh, lived in the same town. So I got to know George. And uh, he, uh, he, I'm trying to remember the school that he uh, went to, and she also taught there. Do you have the name of it right there? In the mid-1950s, she was connected with the Columbus Boy Choir That's School. It. Yes, absolutely. And it's through the fact that he uh, uh, went to school there mm -hmm. that uh, she, uh, was, uh, she used to go with him, and she was offered the position. So she taught there, and there's pictures in the book of her teaching there as well. Now, this is also a time, though, where tragedy uh, strikes, and she loses her voice and moves from singing uh, opera to uh, playing the piano. Uh, do you know the details of that? This was also before I got to meet her, and... Uh, she lost her voice as far as she was concerned. Now she's got to do something else. And she did have an amazing background in uh, learning how to play the piano. So it was no problem for her to go from singing to teaching. And uh, that's what she did. And that's when I met her is when she was already teaching the piano. One of the ways she mentions that she helped pay for George's education was to board dogs. And apparently she ended up boarding 71 of them in all. How about that? I, <laughs> I had a feeling that the two of you would appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, she was quite a dog lover. So, and uh, 
Yes. She not only dog, but she loved animals. She loved mm-hmm. birds. She mm-hmm. always talked about the, and also the beauty around her. She talked about, about her trees and everything that uh, was part of our lives that we just take for granted. Uh, she didn't. I think she appreciated everything that uh, life had to offer her. She appreciated beauty on multiple levels. Absolutely. Whether it's the song of the birds, the sound of the piano, or her voice. And also her students. Mm -hmm. She appreciated her students. She taught mostly classical music, and she gave recitals, and she also performed at Carnegie Hall, which I went to uh, see her play. And, uh, of course, uh, Gary Kirkpatrick, who mm-hmm. uh, plays beautifully, I believe that he still teaches at uh, William Patterson. I'm not 100% sure, but he was a teacher there, but he performs all over the world as well. And his picture is in the book because he performed with her on uh, two pianos, and uh, they stayed very good friends over the years. On page 98 and 99 of her Uh, manuscript she describes one of her special students and i'll give you the quotation there she says this student was a charming lady with a sweet pretty face dark curly hair (laughs) wonderful disposition personality and talent and she felt she was an adopted mother to this uh, student could do you know who that student might have been that she was talking about could say I have no idea who you're talking about, but I do. <laughs> yes, I believe she was talking about me. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, she was. And so, what a wonderful relationship that had developed by this time. I had no idea that I was going to not only be in her book that, but that she would actually say something about that. So when she put this book together, the manuscript. Uh, I don't really believe that she had intentions while she was doing it for me to have the manuscript. Uh, But yet I found so much that she wrote about, including me in it. It really surprised me and I was touched. And I said to you at the very beginning, I admired this lady so much. And I really never thought that I'd have the opportunity to put this book together, and I could not be happier. This was one of the highlights during the COVID pandemic for me to actually have the opportunity to uh, put this book together. And we'll have her complete name, which is the name of the book, uh, listed uh, with this episode of our podcast so our listeners can actually read it and follow up on that. She mentions, uh, Claire, that uh, piano teaching has changed over the years, and you have moved from a piano student of hers to a piano teacher yourself. Would you agree that piano teaching has changed over the years? Absolutely. Uh, Classical music is not what it used to be. People like variety today. They like to go into popular music, jazz, and a lot of people even... Uh, are interested in playing by rote. They're not even interested in learning music. And uh, the beauty of the way that I learned to play the piano is that it coincided with the way she learned. So that's why we 
blend so well together. We were able to uh, connect, but uh, she, her love was classical music. And she has quite a few students that uh, really mastered the art of classical music. I know also for a fact that one of her students today teaches at Juilliard. Really? Oh, the premier oh, yes. school. That's incredible. Music. Yeah. In yes. New York City, premier school of music in New York City. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of her manuscript, Claire, she writes that things in life, uh, some of the things in life uh, you never forget, and she lists Carnegie Hall. How about you? Uh, are there some things in your life that you would never forget? Uh, I, if I say meeting you and Gary, <laughs> would that be <laughs> something that I can mention? Because sure. I feel that way. Meeting both of you was really and is something very special in my life. Oh, and likewise, well, it's been yeah. very special to us as well. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, Bill. And truly, that uh, that love is appreciated and reciprocated from us. Uh, <clears throat> it brings me to uh, one of my final uh, questions, uh, because Berenger talks about opening our hearts and minds to others. And both she and you seem to be our prime example of someone who can open our hearts and minds to others. That's exactly the way I feel. And we, especially in today's world, we must open our hearts and our minds to others. We have to also realize, and I'm not saying this in a, man, in a way that uh, I find this easy today, especially, but we have to learn to uh, accept other people's views, opinions, and be able to talk about things without uh, feeling that there's only one way, our way. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to accept the fact that uh, the world is not made so that we are all the same. Right. So uh, unless we are able to, to discuss things with other people, how are we ever going to find the true answer to the way that the world should be. Claire, I, I could not end <clears throat> a podcast uh, talking with you without bringing up your childhood for a moment or two. And we're talking about musicians. We're talking about Berenger, world-class musician. We're talking about Claire, a world-class piano teacher. We're talking about <clears throat> um, an elderly couple of street musicians in Brussels, Belgium, that saved your life. Could we mention them by name so that they will never be forgotten also? Thank you so much. Uh, the gentleman's name was L Lambert Sabu, S-A-B-A-U-X. Uh, Sabu actually translated his wooden shoes. Did you know that? No. Sabu. Yeah. yeah, so when you say the name, and it's French. I, I lived in Belgium at the time, so did I. But Lambert Sabot used to play the drums in the cafes in Brussels uh, during World War II when I was in hiding with this amazing, amazing family. And his wife, her name was Leah, and of course Sabot. And she had been a concert pianist 
So during the war, when it was forbidden to Jewish children to attend school, I had the opportunity to learn how to play the piano while I was in hiding, thanks to this amazing couple who risked their lives to save mine. Isn't this? So go ahead, Claire. I owe my life to this couple. Isn't this an incredible circle connected by musicians and music? Absolutely. And I do feel that music is an international language. And yes. if nothing else brings us together, I believe music does and will. Absolutely. Claire, Absolutely. we're going to give you uh, an opportunity for final thoughts on our podcast tonight. Uh -huh. Well, my final thoughts are that as long as we have people like the two of you who bring amazing stories to the front for people to uh, listen to, uh, I'm getting a little tired of uh, having negative stories on the air, negative things on the news. I think there is so much to be talked about and written about that has to do with people who are risking their lives even today to save the lives of others, who are doing things like you are doing to bring out the best there is in uh, people. And I appreciate that so very much. Thank you, Claire. Thank you very much, Claire. Gary? Thank you. Sometimes you're just speechless, but I agree with you 100%, Claire. I mean. The world could do with a little bit more positivity and, and a little bit more encouragement. And I think the wonderful thing is uh, when we have wonderful guests like you who get to share stories and, and share and celebrate the people who are out there, or the people that have helped other people who, who stand as a shining light as to what we should all do. And that's look out for each other because in the end, we're all human beings and we all deserve the same kindness and love uh, no matter who we are or how we think or feel, we should always treat each other with kindness. And I'm so glad that we get to have you on our show and, and that you share in that same belief. So thank you, Claire. Uh, can I add something, please? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Uh, when people read Berenger's book, this is also what I'd like them to get out of her story. It's the positive way that she looked at life and not necessarily uh, the... Uh, things that they may not approve of, of agree with or whatever. No, she looked at life in a positive way and she did the best she could uh, during her lifetime. And I think that's all we can expect. And thank you so much for seeing that that's what I was trying to convey more than anything else. Thank you. You're welcome. Sure. I just want to say thank you again to Claire. And it's that time. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this really was an incredible story. Join us again next week.